0: Varsity Radio Saturday morning show presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt.
1: Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now,
0: roll time. And Mark Kranak.
2: Time has come for someone to put his foot down, and that foot is me.
3: Welcome to it, weekend editions. Here it's Hailvar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Craynak. We are on location today at Woodland Hills Golf Course. The. Seventh annual tee off for treasures golf tournament, uh, benefiting uh, Tyson's Treasure Chest that foundation, and of course uh, remembering a, a special little boy and his battle with pediatric cancer. And the uh, the events that that have gone on with Tyson's Treasure Chest and tee off for treasures has been phenomenal. It's been uplifting, and we are just just so pleased to be. Uh, Here this morning with Hale Varsity, Chris Schmidt, Mark It's a gorgeous morning as we look out onto the driving range. A little bit of wind, but it feels all right before triple digits invade. Kranak, good to see you.
4: Uh, Triple digits meaning your score today?
3: Well, you know, we we saw Mr. DeChambeau doing the carry the one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know, bring the bring the remainder over. Uh, his math yesterday with uh, with old Bryson getting a a ten on number fifteen at the memorial. Yep. Uh, I will probably be doing that. I, I have uh, plenty of, of pencils ready with erasers to to change that score. But it's going to be uh, an outstanding time here with tee off for treasures. Tyson's treasure chest. Org. Jeremiah Searles, uh, our favorite Husker uh, coming up uh, in a little bit. Uh, JP from 96 Kicks has been a part of this uh, foundation and uh, awareness with Tyson's Treasure Chest for uh, so many years. So uh, JP will join us. Uh, the cast of characters in the 8 o'clock hour, Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity, and then the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Just a good morning, and it's nice to to be out of studio And on location and uh, just be here and and talk a little football and and tell folks about a great foundation in Tyson's treasure chest.
4: Yeah, it's, I mean, and especially in these quote-unquote uncertain times, Mm -hmm. things like this have taken a hit. Yeah. You know, I mean, charity events, on and on. Um, But it's good that, you know, this is a, something where you can be sort of socially responsible to yeah. there's social distancing sort of built in because it's golf,
3: <laughs> which helps, right? Um, Especially if I'm your partner, I'm going one way. Yeah. Uh, your T-Shot's probably <laughs> yeah. going far and straight. Now, when they said socially, they weren't saying six, six meters
4: away, <laughs> six feet. Uh, but yeah, so no, it's, it's great to be a part of it. And, and it's a, huh, gives you a little bit of hope, I guess mm-hmm. that, Hey, maybe there can be events. Maybe there can be events in the fall, such as college football. Yeah,
3: college football. And Elijah Herbel's back at our ESPN Lincoln studios. And we had a a chance to talk to a number of college football folks this week. Uh, We'll hear from Mitch Sherman and Phil Steele, his take on Nebraska for 2020. Jimmy Walden, Gentleman Jim, the old Iowa State and uh, Washington State head coach. And, of course, uh, Gentleman Jim, uh, longtime assistant for Devaney, Uh, He has got some thoughts on on what the offense can become with uh, Matt Lubick's assistance. But let's start off with Gary Barnett. Had a chance to talk to the former Colorado coach and Northwestern coach. He does analysis work for the Buffs Network. And here is Coach Barnett on on whether or not we actually get to play. I know it's a, a topic that keeps getting brought up. It is Groundhog Day with will we play, won't we play. But here's what Coach Barnett thinks.
1: You know, Chris, I don't really think so. Um, I, I just, I just don't think there's any way that it works. Um, and I think, I don't think anybody's telling us that. I, everybody has to hold out hope, and everybody's mm-hmm. got to have Plan A, Plan B, and Plan C for this thing. But I really do believe that it's, it's, it's going to be spring football, and it's going to be played in the spring, and it's going to be televised, and we're going to make the most of it. Um, I don't, I certainly, yeah, I, I say that with 97% certainty, but I'm, I'm like everybody else. I'm in uh, that 3%, I'm holding on to and hoping it, there's some way it can work. But I just don't see how the numbers can work. I mean, alone in the Pac 12, you've got both Arizona schools, all four uh, California schools um, are probably, there's no way they're going to play. So you've got two Washington schools, two Oregon schools, Colorado and Utah trying to, to play. And um, and maybe it's a little different in the Big Ten, but I don't think so. When you look at all the numbers and things that are happening, I just think it's really going to be a tough, tough, tough thing to have happen.
4: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of rubber meets the road stuff, mm-hmm. And that was, that was Gary Barnett. It's like, you can make all these plans... You can say this, you can say that, but at the end of the day, to make football happen, you are bringing together multiple people from different parts of the country under sort of different rules and regulations and how they're handling things, and then you're bringing them in close proximity to one another for several hours, right? And you're doing this with not only college-age kids who maybe aren't as vulnerable, but all the support staff around them, all the coaches around them. All the administrators around them, and then don't even get started about fans. Uh, it's just it, right. It's it's just a it's a cocktail that you just can't. I just I just don't see it either. And we've been saying that from for months now, right? And, like, and we
3: have new. we have not been wanting to say this no, for months. And
4: no, it's just the reality. If you
3: shift to spring, you'll 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 figure it out, Coach Barnett. But that is
4: not going to happen either.
3: Can we be honest about you, that? Why for a why do why do you think? Okay. Too much.
2: It's look, going
3: on in the spring to, to make it happen because you're going to have the, the fall sports that you shift to spring on top of what you already have in spring.
4: That is presuming that somehow the virus is going to be under control. Sure. In the spring. And
3: look, you, that's you, why I think I think you, you leave it up to your state governor to say yay or nay on football and if your state governor says yes on football then you're allowed to have it and if some states in your conference don't want you to have it or, or don't feel comfortable with it from a liability standpoint then you make shift yeah. you make do and you are going to find teams that maybe close to you are allowed and willing to play ball and you just Piece a schedule together. That means you could be getting Minnesota twice. That means you could get Iowa twice. That means you could get Purdue, and that means maybe you, you, you take on a Kansas or an Iowa State.
4: Let's think about what happens.
3: Nebraska is in a different spot, yeah, than the state of Florida. Nebraska is in so a far, different spot than Arizona. So far. But I'm saying if if (laughs) Jim Harbaugh is not wrong in his take on saying, look, if if we push things back to spring, who's to say, well, by delaying, we'll we'll, we'll get a result. If it's safe and and we don't know if it's safe, but if if medical experts say, all right, let's give it a shot for at least the opening game Mm -hmm. among some teams, better to, to, to run with it. With the yes, than wait and hope to get a yes. I
4: uh, yeah. Look,
3: we it, haven't even got into the economics,
4: uh, crane. I mean, well, I- but, but listen though, coming out of the spring is what you're coming out of the winter, mm-hmm. and look, you can there, there have been, there's been a lot of differing information out there ever since mm-hmm. this thing started. But the one thing that I think has been consistent from the medical community is don't expect a vaccine any sooner than 18 months. Okay, I mean, that's just been pretty standard, and and most of them have said, and even that's pushing it, because vaccines take years, Mm -hmm. right? The other thing that people have said, that medical experts have said, that I think has been kind of unanimous, is (laughs) the winter's not going to be good. Why? Because the flu is going to show up then, too. So you're not only going to have the flu, you're also going to have this COVID crap, Mm -hmm. which means... There are going to be a lot of people with respiratory issues. There's going to be a lot of problems with, you know, contagious, you know, contagious viruses, and then coming straight out of that, mm-hmm. we're going to go into spring football. Come on. Man. Well, the the other like, that's part that's not happening either. The other part of this, <laughs> I was like, talking
3: to some folks that have have played college ball and and deal with professional sports. And from an 18 to 22 year old standpoint, uh-huh. that wear and tear on, on, a, in a, on a college kid's body to, to stack, you're not going to have a break. You, right. You're going you to go from spring go, to fall ball? You're going to go from spring no. ball to fall ball. Yeah, hell no. I mean, it, it's, it's like you're slamming a couple NFL seasons together. Dude,
4: it's not going to happen. I, I think it's, it's, yeah. I could see, though, I could see this fall some team somewhere, Nebraska could be one of them, giving it a shot. I Trying to put a, a game together, maybe doing a game, maybe doing a few games. But to think that this season is just going to be a season and that no, there's going to be playoffs and there's going to be a national champion well, and all that Krenak stuff. Well, money
3: talks, and, and if teams move forward and say, look, uh, we're going to give it a shot, okay, and and some teams may <laughs> give it a further shot for that playoff payday because they got to pay everything else. You're going to need some national funding to help. Supplement title nine, title nine if if there is a shutdown. Yeah, I mean it it's 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 a monster domino here, but no, and I think sucks. I think Nebraska is one of those schools though that are going to keep their pedal down to try and give it a shot. I think the I think SEC, right. I think the ACC, and I think the the Big Twelve are all making phone calls to one another. This is just speculation, yeah. But from a regional standpoint, they're trying to work out some things to get some games in. I mean, Ed Orgeron is going off this morning uh, on on the fact that they need to play football. In his beautiful it's, cookie monster voice. Yeah, Let's it's talk soon. It's,
4: lo- it's such a loaded topic. It and is. It's just, and, well, and the it's, thing it's, is, is, it's, that it's that tiresome,
3: are, but it, it's necessary to hit on.
4: Well, and there are powers that be above and outside of the football apparatus that could render decisions. Sure.
3: It's their call,
4: right? That—that's not even it's their call. Football people,
3: <laughs> right? So oh that's Mark Cranack, Chris Schmidt. We're here on uh, location for the seventh annual tee off for Treasures Tyson's Treasure Chest Foundation, and uh, it's uh, an annual tournament here to raise awareness for pediatric uh, cancer. And uh, Tyson, a special young man. Uh, that made connections with uh, the Nebraska football program and Tyson's family so loving. Uh, their mission is to put happiness back into the hands of children fighting cancer and illness. We'll hear from uh, JP, our friend from 96 Kicks in the mornings, and uh, his connection with Tyson and uh, this foundation, Jeremiah Searle, Searles, Searles our, our favorite Husker NFLer, going to be with us uh, in uh, probably about 20 minutes or so, as uh, let 's dive into some more uh, movings and goings with uh, another high profile recruit off from Nebraska yeah. Jaden Francois leaving the football team, Henry Gray also has left the team obviously that 's not new news, but those are two really high profile gets for Coach Fisher out of Florida definitely and I look at the the fact that you 've had a couple of defections. To me, it's it's as simple as and, – and you hear coaches talk about this all the time. we want We got to get kids who want to be here. Uh-huh. And I look at the persuasion and uh, plan that was laid out by Nebraska for Francois, mm-hmm. the plan that was laid out for, for Gray. Yeah. And when push comes to shove, when you mix in all the BS that's going on with COVID yep. and family concerns and being away from home, it is it is tough to get kids from out of state to to come here. Period. You know that, and it's it's you may get them to come here, but do you get them to stay here? Yeah. This isn't the first time that Nebraska is going to get a high profile kid from from Florida or from California or from Texas, uh, and it's not gonna, it's not the last time Nebraska is going to have a kid leave. Uh, probably from a I don't know this for sure, but from a homesickness standpoint, it was it was. Pretty tough to get Francois here, especially if you remember the signing day drop.
4: Well, and that, that's sort of a that could have been a harbinger because mm-hmm. obviously he was waffling. Obviously he wasn't a hundred percent convinced even up until he put his signature down. He didn't know. Mm-hmm. He didn't know Miami was in his ear. He was confused. I like
3: think Ole Miss was whispering yeah, too. He
4: ultimately had to make a decision. He chose Nebraska. He came here. COVID he came here broke. early. Yeah, COVID broke out. It's been a very disruptive kind of time frame mm-hmm. for anybody, let alone somebody that's 18, just left high school, mm-hmm. coming to the Midwest for the first time. Like, so you can see it happening. But I say all that, but I think we're, we're myopic if we, we – we've got to monitor this. Sure. Look, the, the, there has been There's, a ton.
3: There has been attrition.
4: A ton. I mean, not just a little. A lot of it may be justified. Maybe it's just part of the overall process Mm -hmm. of cleaning house, bringing in your guys. At the same time...
3: These are some of their guys.
4: Right. At at the same time that the transfer portal era has Mm -hmm. been coming alive, too. So there's a couple of forces at work, but I, I I would venture to say that there have been few programs that have had as much of a revolving door as Nebraska over the past few years. Maybe it's for the greater good. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this to be just critical and just saying, oh, my God, alarm bells going off. But we're idiots if we don't pay attention to
3: it. No, you, you, don't, you don't get a guy like Francois that Auburn offered, that Florida State offered, that Ohio State offered. Yeah. Uh, and, and you go back to Gray, you look at his recruit list. That's Alabama. That's Ohio State. I mean, those are the teams that you want to be – mentioned with Beyond Recruiting, uh-huh. yeah. okay? Yeah. And we're all talking, you know, what's Nebraska, what's their outlook like uh, when it comes to, to kind of getting the, the, the program back stabilized? It's going to take kids out of Florida that, that stay in the program and play ball.
4: <laughs> I mean, it tells you about the. it's one of the reasons why the recruiting team rankings I really don't pay attention to. Okay. Because – Okay, so here, what was that? Wasn't Henry Gray a four-star too?
3: Yeah, yeah, these they're both four-star kids. Okay,
4: so if you were to re-rank, <laughs> where's Nebraska now? Like six months later. Sure, it's just sort of like, come on. The and, other, the other the retention other thing, rate. There should be retention rate rankings.
3: The other thing, though, to think about too is is in, in Coach Fisher was on with the Husker Network this week, and uh, you, you've got some of the young pups that that have really gone to work this off season, putting on weight doing the right things getting healthy uh putting on the right type of weight buying into the nutrition yeah. buying into the lifestyle that is nebraska football and those guys uh are are looking at it as a job this is what i need to do it's com- competition in coach fisher's office and in, in, in room every day yeah. so i need to uh to To realize that, on top of the fact that there's been a ton of praise, not only for for what Miles Farmer is supposed to be, there's a lot of excitement about him in that secondary, yep. but also Noah Pola Gates, the, the strides, and the maturity he has shown per Coach Fisher. Yep. I mean, those are just two guys right there. Nebraska is going to keep recruiting, and you got a couple of guys that that are that are Florida kids that. May have, a, have had a tough time separating from home. Yep. And then you look at the – we have no depth chart, but you look at what you're up against to get playing time.
4: Yeah, good luck.
3: Uh, <laughs> and and, it's, a, and it's, yeah. it's a daily grind and a daily battle.
4: I, look, I really wish there was a football season this year specifically to watch the DBs do work. Because sure. Because I really think that this is the year, mm-hmm. again, a season being played notwithstanding – I think this is the year where you would start to see Travis Fisher's room take hold mm-hmm. in that defense. Sure. And, it, cause, you know, we've talked about this for years, too. When you watched UCF at, at their prime, mm-hmm. yes, you definitely had – why is his name escaping me? The linebacker that, with the one hand that was just a – Shaquille Griffin. Griffin. Thank you. Um, y- yes, he was obviously a difference maker. Yeah. But on the whole, that defense – was led by that secondary, and they were a mother to deal with. They do not beat Auburn, no, without the mentality and the skill out of that secondary. I, I mean, loved
3: watching on, their corners play man to man, get off blocks, and make tackles at and, the line of scrimmage. And the, totally,
4: and they did it.
3: Every down. They did it every down. they did
4: it with 170-pounders going toe-to-toe with 220-pounders, not caring. Guys did their job. Straight up. It was very,
3: very unselfish. And I
4: think you're going to start to see that with this group Mm -hmm. because that's what Fisher demands. And he now has players that are completely bought into that philosophy and that way of life.
3: Let's welcome in JP from 96 Kicks. Uh, he's part of the uh, Dyson's Treasure Chest Foundation. JP, uh, hey. good to see you, man. Good to see you too. It's Thanks been a coming. while since the uh, Real Red Reaction post game. Right. We're looking at each other, going, "How did Boulder happen?" <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right. Great or Boulder, or or you and I had the uh, the, the post game Northwestern assignment oh. from night from 2018. Those were fun.
5: <laughs> we don't remember much of the post game, but those were fun. Remember those games? <laughs> yeah.
3: Hey. Those are, those are those are lessons.
5: Oh, yeah, right? for sure. And I think that's, that's the growth. You have to go through those growing pains and find your rhythm and find your guys. And granted, people freak out, oh, somebody's joining the, uh, the portal. Everybody's leaving, going to the portal. It's like, okay, no, those are the guys that were here before Scott that may or may not fit what Scott mm-hmm. wants to do sure. and the mentality that it takes. And, you know, I mean, some of it, it's just it's about the work mentality. If you're not willing to come in and work and challenge and compete for a spot, then sure, go ahead, leave. Good luck. We, we we wish you the best. But I'd rather have somebody here who's going to fight tooth and nail to make the team yep. and fight tooth and nail to keep that job every game.
3: It's, it's a mentality and it's a lifestyle we were no, kind truly, of touching on.
4: It's not for everyone.
3: That's right. It's not. <laughs>
4: I'm serious.
5: That slogan, That's the best that slogan, it? It really fits Nebraska well <laughs> in everything, uh-huh. yeah,
4: especially football. I mean, really. Like, you have to sort of be a football dork. To play here, it's true. Like you do, you have to be ready to commit your life to the thing. It's all right because you have to. I mean, what? What time do those guys get up every day?
5: and they're in. Well, if they're in trouble, they're getting up with Damian Jackson about two in the morning and working out in the, the stadium. Yeah. So, see what I'm saying. Like, so, so he's the police force. Oh, you haven't heard that? Oh, yeah, uh, he's the man. Before, tell me. <laughs> okay, all right. He, yeah, no. Damian Jackson being the Navy SEAL. Yes, I, I've heard lots of stories of if you're late to class, late to meetings, late to practice, you go see you, go see you the go SEAL. See Damian. We'll see what your your punishment is this week.
4: And he's up in a
5: tower with a sniper rifle. <laughs> and like, you
2: better do that, log <laughs> roll, boy.
5: You're doing you're doing his workout, and if his workout makes you puke, you go back to the beginning and you try again. Oh man, come back another day. I, so. I can see it. Yeah. I can see
4: him being kind of the enforcer. Yeah, I so. would love that. And then what they, I mean, they practice at what six thirty in the morning, yeah. six fifteen, yeah. which means they're up at God, five, five, hopefully. and they and they have to get something like eight nine hours of sleep, which means they're in bed at like eight thirty. I mean, it's like boot camp. For it five really years. is,
5: as it should be, <laughs> right? Like, We're playing this team, man. I'm sorry, yeah. we need the best of the best. It is a fourth quarter that
3: uh, you need to be ready for against Wisconsin exactly. and Iowa. Uh, JP is with us from 96 Kicks. Hail Varsity on the road here at uh, Woodland Hills for the seventh annual tee-off for Treasures. JP, share, our, share your story with uh, with Tyson, your connection, and your um, commitment, man, has been phenomenal to Tyson's treasure chest. Let our listeners know, if, if they're just checking in for the first time, Um, how this event uh, has been ongoing, but just how you connected uh, to, to help folks know about Tyson and his family.
5: It's so crazy how this little boy, he would be 16 this year. Yeah. How he's affected so many people, uh, not even just Nebraska, Lincoln and Nebraska, but around the, the nation, mm-hmm. really. And then uh, his his meetings with Jeremiah Searle and Kenny Bell and, mm-hmm. and everybody that was a part of that Husker team that year that he came through and was going through chemotherapy and was dealing with pediatric brain cancer. And this kid had the biggest smile and he was the best. And I had a chance to meet him when I was at a, a competing radio station at the time. Time, mm-hmm. And they wanted to come in and just kind of tour a radio station. They were doing a PSA for giving blood for the community blood bank. Yep. And this little bald kid came in and came and talked to me and said, "Jason Aldean's my favorite person. I love Jason Aldean." And I gave. Apparently, I didn't realize this until I heard it the other night. That I gave him his first CD ever. He didn't have a CD. Oh, okay. Oh, geez. This little kid just listened to the radio and waited for Big Green Tractor to come on the radio. Yeah. And so to connect with him in that aspect and to find out that he had pediatric brain cancer and it didn't look good Mm -hmm. and that they were looking to try to just make his life a little better for a a time period Mm -hmm. and then we ran the campaign of just trying to get Tyson in front of Jason Aldean Mm -hmm. and we knew that Jason Aldean was coming to open the Pinnacle Bank Arena that was the first big show for a country at the Pinnacle Bank Arena when they opened that up and we, we did this huge Twitter campaign and Facebook campaign. And then after about four weeks of doing it, all of a sudden, I got a notification that said, hey, Jason Dean just did a video to tie. And so he had this video of him sitting on his porch. He says, hey. Because of blank, blank, and blank, we're not going to be able to hang out at PBA, but I want you to come to Atlanta to my show there. Oh, And sweet. the Chambers family have family in Atlanta. So it worked out perfect. They flew out to Atlanta, got a behind-the-scenes walk around from uh, one, of the, one of the people, with Jason Aldean's crew, got to go to the show. Then they went to a Braves game. And they went to the ocean and uh, swam in the ocean. On the beach for a little bit and then two weeks later he passed away so with that you don't want the story to end and so we created um, the Tyson treasure chest foundation and what we the concept was to put a treasure chest on each floor at Children's Hospital in Omaha and in that we would fundraise to put toys in there, blankets books now it's it's uh, it's tablets for them to be able to do stuff video games all those things have, have expanded over the seven years that we've done this. And now there's a treasure chest on every floor in Children's Hospital in Omaha. And before COVID hit, we were looking to expand beyond that. Because sure, yeah. we have, thanks to Jeremiah Searles and his family, the Husker alumni family, the NFL family has mm-hmm. now wanted to be a part of this. And so... We're looking hopefully next year, we'll be able to make some announcements and, and add to beyond just Children's Hospital Omaha. How about Children's Hospital Colorado, Minnesota? We're just adding on and hoping to do that is the next step in this fundraiser. And the golf event is a big part of that.
4: You know, you, and, but you're just hitting on something that foundations and charities are dealing with all over the nation, right? right? Well, that all of us are dealing with. Yeah, right now. for any a, kind of an You event. said when COVID hit, yeah. right? And so that disrupts. Everything. Exactly. So, in the meantime, what can people do
5: to support this cause? Which is, it's great. We, 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 as a group, got together and said, "Hey, are we going to be able to do this golf event or not?" And then we thought, you know what? Because th- golf has been like the only activity you've been you able can to do. sneak out, and really, whether it be yeah. adults yeah. or families or friends, yep. this is a thing where social distancing comes into play when you're playing golf. Yeah. And so we said, you know what? We haven't. We've seen charity events left and right dropping off, yep. and we said, you know what? We're going to stay strong. We're going to go to Woodland Hills. We know that there are people that are going to keep things clean. We know there are people that are going to do their job. We're going to do our part. We've changed things up a little bit. It's less crowded and less loud in the uh, the banquet hall where you guys are at. Yep. Everybody's out there at their carts gathering their things, and so we made the adjustments to COVID, and we're continuing to do that. The golf event sold out in 13 days. That's awesome. We, we didn't. We didn't think we we're going to sell it out in two months and we sold out in 13 days and yep. so we're just blessed to have the people that wanted to be a part of this and continue that tradition of seven years of doing it yep. uh and so if if you want to be a part of it like pretty much by sunday or monday there will be a link for next year's golf event so you can get gotcha. signed up into early bird stuff there otherwise if you'd like to donate tyson's treasure chest is the website or Facebook and Twitter by the same name, go on there. Any kind of donation is going to help keep this going.
3: Well, and, and last thought here, J.P. from 96 Kicks is with us, and we're talking uh, Tyson's treasure chest and uh, tea off for Treasures, the 7th Annual. Tyson and his family were so thoughtful. Instead of
5: flowers, they wanted toys for children. Right, exactly. And that's the thing. You're in that hospital, whether you're going through chemotherapy or long-term care of some sort, there wasn't a lot. It was the nurses that were the ones that were buying toys for these kids just so it's something to do or a blanket to comfort them because you're in that hospital. It's it's sterile. It's pretty much empty except for maybe a family member, maybe a mom or dad, if that. And you're in there for a long period of time. What can we do to make that easier for you yeah. and so a stuffed animal a blanket a toy and we we would we used to be like how ah, could we do new and used toys it's like no it's better to do the monetary thing because then we can give this the hospital a gift card and they can go out and say hey shelby what do you want sure what do you want to, to entertain you to keep you busy to keep you comforted here and they go buy it yeah. and that's then they've awesome. got it for her and that's the way it works
1: yep
3: yep well yep. so thoughtful and very powerful. JP, man, you're awesome. Hey, Thanks for what you're, you're awesome. doing. awesome.
5: I appreciate it. Well, you guys coming out and doing this again. Well, I think
3: Krenak and I were trying to do the math. It's DeChambeau math where we're carrying <laughs> the one, right? Just a, a, a preview perhaps right, of exactly. the course a little later for me, but we're uh, we're like, I think this is the third time we've done this. Yeah. Uh, last year, uh, Jay uh, had a uh, little man the baby the came world. Along. Yeah. Oliver yeah. showed
5: up in the middle of the dang thing. Yeah,
3: bin. and we're um, <laughs> we're yeah, I mean, this time of year, a lot of it, I mean, we're, we're coming back or Heading to media days. Right. In Chicago.
5: Well, we didn't know if Rent Qualley was going to be able to be here because they were thinking of calling him down to Houston. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's like, nope, I'll be there. Koala we're, we're Bear's early. here to swing away. Yes, exactly. The nice. big man will be here. So. He will probably be the biggest human being here. Oh, by far. I would. Between think. him and Jeremiah. But Jeremiah yeah. slimmed down because he's on the peloton all the time. Uh, I know. I've I mean, he's, it changes he's things. Just, <laughs> he's crushing that peloton. Exactly. He's looking
4: like a tight end
3: now. Right. Like, okay. Big old tight end. We'll take it. Searles. <laughs> yeah. I'm open, <laughs> Coach. Throw it to me in the Throw end zone. That is uh, JP from 96Kicks. And, again, Tyson'sTreasureChest.org. <laughs> you want to donate. You want to find out more information. You want to get signed up for... Next year's oh. tee-off for Treasures, log on and do that. we got to take time out. J.P., hey, you rock, brother. Thank, thank you, you sir, so appreciate much.
5: Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Uh,
3: All right. Mark Cranax here. Chris Schmidt, uh, we're here for the uh, tee-off for Treasures. Hale Varsity Weekend continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
6: Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach.
3: Back with you, Tail City Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We are on location this morning here at Tea Off for Treasures, the seventh annual Tea Off for Treasures, Tyson's Treasure Chest Foundation. We're going to run down the big man, Jeremiah Searles, here very shortly. Thanks to J.P. from our sister station, 96 Kicks, as he uh, told you his story with Tyson and his connection. Very touching and heartwarming. You can help fight pediatric cancer. And uh, can log on tysonstreasurechest.org is where you log on. Well, how's the wind out there, Crane? You popped outside. It's stiff. You know, it's good, uh, 15, 17. So it's a little bit of breeze to go with the uh, the triple digits that will match my score. Well, exactly,
4: and it's and you have a built-in excuse now. Right. That was a damn wind. <laughs>
3: right. I, I, I got it's I got horrifying. a kick out of it. We were in uh kinda around the Omaha Council Bluffs region yesterday for state baseball and juniors team did really well. Those Lincoln A's are the uh <clears throat> the favorite. Okay. The, the, the favorite for uh for for state and they uh kind of played like um they knew they were the favorite, so they, they had to battle and they did well, but so we're driving to, to grab something to eat between games and uh junior's been to tasseling all week oh dude i'll never forget that (laughs) well he won't either and it's funny because we're driving along and and my wife's like so carson what type of crops are those what type of crops are (laughs) just asking him as we we stare off into fields and his response was uh worth grounding him for it was kind of funny though the way he's he says I, I can't eat corn anymore because of what I've been doing. What uh, times he get up for that? Uh, he's up uh, about the same time I am. Four
4: thirty.
3: Uh, yeah, he's he's on he's on a bus by a quarter to five. Oh, between York and Seward. And then just wearing a trash bag, trudging through. Well, he's mud got and... he's got like a a seed hat. Okay, oh, that's Jesus. pretty cool. And then he's got a long sleeve it, and he's. Snagged my wireless, and he's, but he's he's working hard, man. He's doing well. Yeah. I'm proud of him. Yeah. Uh, you, you think a walk on work to, to crack a starting lineup or get some major snaps? How about Jaquez Yant, Get out of Tallahassee, another walk on for Nebraska football? And uh, originally it looked like Nebraska and other schools were thinking, you know, linebacker or safety for him, but uh, he's, a, he's a running back as well. And yeah, it's a big kid, six foot, uh, two bills and yeah. pretty shifty, uh, very shifty, yep. very powerful. And a guy that, you know, Florida had offered as well. Uh, Coach Brett chimes in as they're on their way to Council Bluffs now. Uh, He has some beans uh, if Carson wants them. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so some magic beans. But, no, a a nice get for Nebraska. Again, another kid out of Florida. Uh, With the the COVID situation, you know, there were some some questions about Yance's eligibility. Exactly. But Nebraska stayed in on him, and uh, you'll take another kid that – played at a high level of ball down in Tallahassee. yeah, from what I understand, he, d- he had trouble
4: qualifying and so didn't have your classic offers, mm-hmm. at least at the time of of signing They're, they're just you know schools mm-hmm. just stayed away, but because of different changes with COVID and qualifications, he lo and behold did qualify, and they're getting him to walk on and it's the second player, third player? Yeah. Because you got the kid from Iowa also who's scholarship sort of worthy and was on scholarship at Iowa. He's coming to Nebraska. You got the same another kid from Colorado State same deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now you get this guy also. So I mean Nebraska's creative if nothing else about how they fill out their roster but uh, this guy seems you know some of his film he's playing some quarterback. Uh, I think he's he kind of played both so it might have been some wildcat stuff but when you say shifty you're you're dead right. That's exactly what he's about, and with his size, that's a good thing. Get him in a weight program. See what happens.
3: Let's talk about that weight program. You need we to get say, in a weight
2: program. Uh, so we say I hi do. to the Spelt
3: Jeremiah Searles, our favorite Husker NFLer. Searles, what is up? It's nice to see you again. Oh, it's good,
6: man. Good. Just been out pounding steaks, just getting a swole on before we go ahead and swing these clubs. Ribeye or T-bone? Ribeye. Ribeye.
4: You just had a steak at 7:30? No, I was morning. pounding the like oh the steaks
6: mm. in. I thought but, you meant pounding steak. Our, our, our lovely fearless. Leader forgot the post hole digger, so it's all by this little baby sledgehammer. So my shoulders on fire. The
3: shoulder, the the, uh, shoulder velvet hammer swing by Searles is pretty good. And uh, we uh, we want to talk about Tyson's treasure chest, uh, Jay and brother. It is good to to see you here. You've been a part of this uh, for a long point, a long time in your career at Nebraska and and beyond, sir.
6: Yeah, I mean, so Tyson's treasure chest is something back in 2010 and i've been involved with ever since and in the past four years i've been on the board of directors and helping getting the our golf tournament every year is the big one that we raise a bunch of money last year we raised over thirty thousand dollars for pediatric brain cancer and this year we're just happy to get it off the ground yeah i mean with the world the way it is and lincoln shutting back down even though i totally disagree with it but whatever um it's just nice to have community gather back Mm -hmm. together and raise money for a great cause Mm -hmm. and and it's something that
4: god and if if you're involved with charities in any way it, look everything's been disrupted but especially especially charities yeah. I, they, you know they they're based off of events mm-hmm. you know one or two a year that you know accounts for maybe half their revenue for the entire year so that's been tough and then and then in the in the meantime though there's always
6: the online option right right yeah, I mean, if, if you we know that not everyone could be here, we're so happy we sold out within two weeks of that's, posting that's the what JP was saying. That's incredible. We had no idea what it was going to look like. We were we were holding off on when do hey when do we send it out? Do we even do it this year? And once we got clear from Woodland Hills here mm-hmm. to say you no, know, we're going to go ahead and have it, we put it up online. and We sold out within two weeks, and then we were just so thankful to everyone that signed up, everyone that wants to come yeah. out and support this. Um, I mean, horrible disease, but amazing event that we have here. Mm -hmm. But if you want to donate um, to this event and you can't be here, um, Tyson's Treasure Chest.org, you can go make a donation. Big shout-out to Lazari's Pizza. That's they're, right. They're bringing in all the food today. Oh, they donated yeah. all the food for all the golfers today. Their Seth fitness, and
3: Gregor's are, are – Well, they're the men, dude. They're nice.
6: This is their third year in a row of donating all the food, which is absolutely incredible because sure. it allows us to then put money that we would in the food right back into the disease. Sure. So, I mean, they're amazing. We're so thankful for them. We can't wait to see them. They're coming to golf today. So, I can't wait to see those guys just give them a big hug as always. Yeah.
3: Well, dude, that's legit food, too, on top absolutely. <laughs> like, of that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's Cranach's favorite food and my favorite food. This is not
6: Little Caesars.
4: Right, right. This, is, this is legit <laughs> pizza right here. <laughs> I didn't mean to go off the top rope. No, well, the Detroit at least you, style pizza. At least
3: you had the steel you know, steel chair in left hand if yeah. you went off the, the old the old rope. But Little Caesar's sitting there listening, like, what'd I do? Dude, yeah. they're just they're
6: not the same. You just get yeah. they're no, they're it's apples and oranges, it man. Is. Oh. I mean, I appreciate that they're hot and ready, but come on. I mean, not everything yes. that's hot and ready is good, though. Right <laughs> no, I'm sure not. you've learned that over the years. I'm sure you've taken. I mean, we might can go into spring break stories yeah. if you
3: want when we talk hot and ready. <laughs> I'm, sure you,
6: I'm sure you're a hard learner, but maybe after the third time you yeah. figured it out. Yeah.
3: So, what have you been up to, man? Man, I've besides just been, being daddy?
6: Yeah, I've just been. I've been hanging out at home and hanging out with the little man. He turns a year on Monday. That's which what, yeah. is mind blowing because this time yeah. last year. Um, I actually had to miss this tournament mm-hmm. because it was the same day my son was born, so it's nice to be here. Um, but now I've just been hanging out with him, and I mean, doing my gigs around the the areas here mm-hmm. and just hanging out. And then I'm also working to become a sports agent, which is really fun. So I've been I've been Whoa. traveling I've been traveling on the road recruiting okay. guys for next year and waiting to take my agency test whenever that may be. It was supposed sure. to be the end of July, but again, the world's ending, so who knows when what, we're to do what that? What
3: endorsement deals? Let's say <laughs> let's say. Let's just put you on the spot. Yeah. Searle's the agent. Kranak, let's we'll say Kranak's uh, uh, a tennis player. Mm, love okay. it. Right, or, 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 baseball? Golf. Let's go baseball. Baseball. Kranak played baseball. Okay. High he level. Did. Yeah. Low level. No. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what would fit with him? You know,
6: I think hot and ready little sisters. <laughs> bring it in full circle. Uh, <laughs> I'll be sitting there like pan pan yeah. <laughs> pizza pizza
3: there we go there we go you have to
6: have it across your jersey too
3: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah and
6: then on the back it says hot and ready the,
3: we'll just call <laughs> We'll just call him the sauce. <laughs> a triangle slice of
4: pizza over my belly. <laughs> it gets skewed and stretched. It's like, damn it. Oh, my God. We need to find another pitch man.
3: <laughs>
4: uh, maybe put it in a spot that won't skew and stretch. Cranach, mm.
3: this is Searles. Yeah, your agent. This yeah. isn't going to work. We're going to
4: we're gonna have to rebrand your entire <laughs> image Put on egg. his right sleeve. I think that's the only. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my mm. goodness. So are you? Is, is When you go into being a sports agent, yeah. are you open to all sports? or are that's you? going to like specialize no, no, I mean, in football it'll, it'll just be football
6: for me yeah. at least for right now so i'm joining my i'm joining who was my agent um he was my agent for seven years amazing individual chris giddings is his name one west sports out of montana okay. and so myself another partner that just retired out of the league is also going to join mm-hmm. him and we're both just awaiting to take the test to get our certifications um but it's it's been really fun um yeah to travel around and sit in meetings that i sat in as i interviewed agents to go into the league And get to sell my pitch as to why I think I could be better than some of those guys. And, I mean, the big obvious reason is I played. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's there's like six agents that out of – there's like two to one NFL players to agents. So, like, there's a ton of agents. But the difference is I can sit there and be like, look, I've been where you want to go, and I know how to get you there. Yeah. And I think that that resonates with a lot of guys, and I'm not flashy. I mean, I'm not going to the agencies that send you a grab bag of goodies every two weeks and you get this sponsor. It's not an episode That's of Entourage. Not, it's not ballers, right? Yeah, That's yeah. the thing. Everyone's like, oh, dude, it's like ballers, right? It's like, absolutely not. Yeah. Like, my resources, There's no helicopter. No, my resources, my time is going to be spent helping you become a better football player because yeah. especially if I'm working with offensive linemen, tight ends, like people aren't beating down the door to sign an offensive lineman for a million-dollar endorsement deal, right? I mean, but the idea is... You get on the field, you play four or five years, then yeah, you're going to have those opportunities. But people get it so backwards, like, oh, endorsements, marketing, blah, 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 like before you even play a snap, that a lot of times it's just a
3: distraction. Interested yeah. to get your take here as you look at the Cowboys mm-hmm. and the Dak Prescott saga mm. and the 31 to 38 million that was negotiated. Yeah. And, and Jerry Jones spends money on everybody, mm-hmm. he, he's not cheap. And they've built a pretty good team. Uh, And they did not come to terms. I'm interested, on top of being the quarterback for that team, you know, America's team, the Cowboys. Yeah, well, I know. (laughs) Point is, is there's endorsement oceans of money to be the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys from an endorsement side on top of your normal, well, I'm Jerry Jones and I'm going to pay my quarterback Crazy money,
6: not Mahomes money, but yeah. not for us. I mean, I don't know. Has he deserved that kind of money? I mean, he, his numbers are all right. I mean, but he yeah. he's not Mahomes. No. no, I mean, I don't even know if
3: I say he's a top 10 quarterback in the league. No, we, yeah. we, uh, yeah. we did this exercise and there's about eight or nine guys yeah. I take in front of him. Uh, a guy He's that- a
6: product of a system. Yeah. In my opinion, well, he's a good player. He's, a he's solid. good,
4: and he's,
3: and he's a fourth round guy yeah. Yeah. that is done well. But he's had a great offensive line. He's had a phenomenal running back. He's had a tremendous defense. Mm. And when he didn't have that help around him, they they weren't necessarily a, a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the I, best
6: I, offensive line in football. He, too. he
3: does. And, and I'm wondering, all right, if you, if if there's a short extension for Deshaun Watson, he wants the heck out of Houston. Potentially, Why wouldn't you? Right? So if I'm Jerry, I just I walk away and I, I go Deshaun Watson hunting next year. Yeah, I think if you're Jerry Jones. And maybe that's just crazy. Is it? I, I, I move on. I, mean, I move on. I think
6: this year, I, my guess is, so Jerry sat back this year and what the pandemonium and the mayhem of what quarterback free agency was this year, right? I mean, it was chaos. So sit back, see what happens, see what the field looks like, see in the next year. If Dak has a great year, great. The, pay him Mm -hmm. if he goes and poops the bed be like I told you so right like Jerry Jones is not in the wrong here Mm -mm. I mean I I really think he made the right decision as a GM and he tried and he tried but I mean you got to think Dak's probably asking for ungodly numbers right he is it takes two to tangle whatever I mean you saw who was that the other day Uh, I think Anthony Harris from the Vikings was tweeting about like it takes two to make a deal or maybe Justin Simmons from Mm -hmm. the Broncos but I mean if you're that far off that you can't come terms on 2 million 3 million it's probably more like i want who turns down
3: 31.8 someone
6: that thinks they're worth 40 i mean you got to think too that someone who thinks they're worth 40 over four years you're talking close to another 20 million dollars like you're probably going to turn that down if that's truly what you think you're worth and you think you could get that in the open market i don't know if he's worth that now he goes out and lights the world on fire someone will pay it to him I don't know if it'll be the Cowboys, or I don't know who it might be, but someone will pay him that if he has the year he might have.
3: R- Real quick, yeah. you, you played with a guy, and you're close with, with Cousins. Yeah. And Cousins gets slammed a lot nationally. You know how truly good he is. Mm-hmm. And he makes it look either routine or easy by just kind of managing and then making some plays. And he's a guy I look at when with that quarterback market at the time from Washington to, to Minnesota – um, kind of go into to, to that, <laughs> that, that target, that, that uh, bullseye that's on a guy's back like that, where does it affect a guy that, that is, A, getting that much money, and B, that much criticism I mean, for, I, for going to NFC Championship games?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think that when you get paid that kind of money, it's Super Bowl or bust. I mean, there's really no, there's no other option. I mean, you could go to the NFC Championship every single year for your entire length of your career. And Which is it, awesome. And but... it's unbelievable, right? But it's just like, well, you didn't win it, so that contract wasn't worth it. I mean, the second you pay someone, I mean, if Mahomes doesn't win MVP or another Super Bowl under this deal, it he will be needs, looked at a as Super a Bowls. waste of money, right? That's what it will be looked at as. But the second people don't understand, once you pay quarterbacks these money, your team starts dissipating. You've got a two-year window before that contract really starts tolling into the cap. I mean, look what happened to Minnesota this year. Everson Griffin gone. Linville Joseph gone. Stephon Diggs gone. I mean, you just you go right down the line. Xavier Rhodes gone. I mean, these are Pro Bowl. they are the all Seahawks pro. defense. Yes, I'm telling yeah, you, Post Russell. You can only if you pay your if you pay your quarterback more than 12 percent of your cap you're going to start seeing teams have to start get rid of guys because you cannot afford good players. Mm-hmm. So you have a two-year window, which is what the Vikings had, and then they had to sell their soul to Kirk Cousins again, good, bad or indifferent, <laughs> in order just to have cap room to sign guys this year. And and so when you have the target on your back, you're looked at as the villain for no other reason than you got paid a bunch of money because yeah. from the outside world you're looked at, you demanded all this and now our team is crap. It's like, "Well, no, I might have deserved this money." But at this point, it doesn't matter. I'm getting paid this because I deserve it, but the rest of the team has to suffer. So it's this weird conundrum. And Tom Brady made it look easy because his wife makes a gazillion dollars. Mm-hmm. So he don't care. He always took the family <laughs> right, right. discount. Yeah, He'd take the family discount because yeah. he don't care. But a lot of these guys don't have Giselle sitting at home with two kids in a Victoria's Secret billion-dollar catalog, oh. right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't work like that.
4: Yeah, Jeez. Well, and you mentioned uh, Prescott. Like, hey, what? Why does he think he's worth 40 versus yeah. 30? That's part of the role of the agent, too. Yeah, right? absolutely. Because I, I doubt it's Dak Prescott sitting there crunching the numbers saying, well, I'm worth 37.6. Like, no, that's the agent kind of coming in saying, you're worth 40, you're worth 40, and is it worth it? How much is that a part of what you're going to be doing where it's like you have to be real with the the player you're representing saying, dude, you're probably really worth It's today. a fine
3: line to it's, not tick him off,
6: well, it's but a be fine honest. Line. It's a yeah. fine line because it's a weird thing. You work for the player as the yeah. agent. So if yeah. the player says, I'm worth 40, and you're like, maybe you're not. And he goes, I'm telling you, I'm worth 40. You don't really have a ton of wiggle room. No. Because he can just be like, yeah. all right, well, you know what? I'm going to go find an agent that thinks I'm worth 40, and I'll hire him. Because you can fire yeah. your agent at any time. Yeah. anytime. time. And as long yeah. as you're not under a deal that he negotiated for you, he cannot get paid. So if he's going into free agency next year, and he thinks his agent did a poop job this year, he could fire his agent, hire a new agent, and his agent that's been with him since the fourth round all the way through here gets squat. Wow. So it's a fine line if you're an agent like it, you call up Dak, hey, Dak, Cowboys offer 31. Well, I'm worth 40. Yeah, but that's $31 million <laughs> per a year. Yeah. And it's like, mm, I'm worth 40. And so then you got to go back and be like, hey, we got to do 40. And there's Jeez. not a ton of wiggle room to that. But, again, that's why I'll never represent a quarterback. Cause I'm,
5: <laughs> I was going to say. I can't <laughs> handle that. Yeah, I'll,
6: protect,
3: like, yeah. I'll protect you, but yeah. I won't represent. Searles yeah. is flexing Basically, on Gregeth. It's pretty you. nice. He's so small. Well. <laughs> so tiny. Hey, thanks for, for bopping by. Hey, absolutely, man. So Jeremiah good to be back. Searles. It's been too long. It's, it's nice long. to see you. Yeah. Krainak, uh, we are up against it for this yeah. first hour. Hour two coming up. Uh, Brandon Vogel will join us. We're here at Woodland Hills, the seventh annual tee-off for Treasures. Tyson's Treasure Chest Foundation.org is where you log on. And we are full up for this year's tournament. Uh, get signed up for next year and donate. Help fight uh, pediatric cancer. And uh, donations are the way to do so. Tyson's Treasure Chest Org. Hail Varsity, back at you next hour, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
0: The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris
1: Schmitz. Y'all not even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach.
2: Time has come for someone to put his foot down, and that foot is me.
3: Thanks for hanging out. Back in, it's hour 2 at Tale of City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach on location at Woodland Hills this morning for Tee Off for Treasures, the seventh annual golf tournament and fundraiser for Tyson's Treasure org. Log on today and uh, get a donation in as uh, the uh, mission for... Tyson's treasure chest, put happiness back in the hands of children fighting cancer and illness. Good stuff from Jeremiah Searles. Good stuff uh, from JP from our sister station, 96 Kicks. We welcome in uh, managing editor and author with John Cook, dream like a champion, and uh, phenomenal work with the Hale Varsity yearbook. Brandon Vogel is with us at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, uh, what's the uh, the wind force like and temperature where you're at, brother. We're we're already smoking out here. How are you?
2: <laughs> Doing well. Um, no no wind worries today, but real field temperatures supposed to be 97 by 11 a.m. So uh, that's suboptimal. Going to try and get a bike ride right in before <laughs> then, but other than that, I will be uh, inside.
3: Vogues, I, I, what's the uh... The, the attire for the bike ride my friend I mean do you got a sleek looking helmet do you got a little spandex rocking or is it just your uh, your Mark Grace jersey <laughs>
2: um, yeah, definitely gotta have the helmet. That's that's the essential piece. But I haven't gone the uh, full-aged uh, mammal, as they are called, middle-aged man in lycra. Um, but, but I'm not. I'm, I'm 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 not afraid to to get there eventually. Um, but today's gonna be a little bit of off-road biking, so just some shorts and a uh, a long-sleeve shirt to try and uh, keep the sun away a little bit.
4: Now, do you do, Brandon? Do you do the the shorts that have the extra padding? On the inside, mm. so that you know
2: it's comfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty pretty essential too. Uh, next to the next to the helmet, kind of a piece that you got to have if you're going to go for a little while. Um, and I'm not I'm not some superhero here going on hundred mile bike rides, at least not yet. But uh, yes, there there's some uh, there's some padded shorts involved. Good.
3: You just asked him what type of protection he was using.
2: <laughs> I'm concerned about it. <laughs>
3: Vogues, what do you make of the the week that that's been in football uh, still still holding out hope still optimistic uh some more pessimistic and uh, is Feinbaum out of bullets for Emmert or did he reload
2: <laughs> uh, i I think uh, Paul Feinbaum through history has shown us is that he is like a uh, action movie hero and that he's never out of bullets. Um, So he'll, he'll find more. He'll, he'll keep going. Um, For me, you know, the NTA came out with their recommendations. Fine. That all makes sense. But like the gut punch of it was the graph that the NTA showed where they said, Hey, here's where we stopped in April. And this is what we expected the trend to be, and here's where we're actually at. And then they threw Japan and Canada and European Union numbers on there just to, uh, to to high step into the end zone a little bit. And I was like, it was probably the first time, you know, since this thing first started, where I dropped under maybe 50 percent, thinking that football's going to happen. It was just, it was a tough graph, and it said a lot.
4: Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. It is a lot. And, you know, there's been some talk, too, of, okay, if this season doesn't go off, we're, we're going to move it to the spring. Which I think, Brandon, is just as unlikely as playing a season in the fall. Where, where do you stand on doing the entire football thing in the spring and then stacking that on top of another season the next fall?
2: <laughs> that's that's kind of the the bigger thing i mean there's also the idea of we don't know where we'll be at so some more time buys you more time which which is good but who knows where things will be trending uh you know there's encouraging reports on vaccination there's also reports that this virus continues to mutate so it's it's all kind of i mean there's just nothing but uncertainty and i think. If, if they get to that point, they'll certainly explore a spring season. But then you, it, it all kind of comes back to, to the tricky definition of amateurism the NCAA is so closely hewn to, where, okay, you can't play in the fall because COVID represents a real risk to the players. Maybe COVID's less of a risk, but then what's the risk of playing two football seasons in eight months? Um, that's real, too. And it all kind of messes with the NCAA's definition that, hey, these are just students who also happen to be the best 1,300 football players in the country. Um, so I don't think it's an easy pass there either.
3: Brandon Vogel is with us on hale City Radio. We're here at Woodland Hills for Tee Off for Treasures, the seventh annual golf tournament and fundraiser for Tyson's Treasure Chess.org. Good stuff from Jeremiah Searles, as he is part of it also. Uh, JP from our sister station, 96 Kicks, a chance to to raise awareness and help battle pediatric cancer. Uh, It is uh, just an awesome event, and um, we're thankful to to be out here. We're excited to spend a few minutes with Brandon Vogel from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Vogues, I want to shift gears and and talk about more departures from Nebraska, another Florida talent. Uh, This is Jaden Francois and another four-star secondary guy from Coach Fisher's room. Uh, no need for panic, but this is not a new story for Nebraska when it comes to attrition. What's your reaction to the loss of Francois?
2: Yeah, it definitely hurts. I mean, he's a guy that they, they wanted, um, as evidenced by the kind of degrees they went to, to get him. Uh, and you pair it with Henry Gray, two four-star DBs, it doesn't hurt nebraska right away um you know they were able to to keep red shirts on a lot of the defensive backs in the 2019 class and that's that's a still a really talented group but at some point you know a year or two down the line you're going to have to make up missing those two um and that'll be something you have to address through recruiting or through the transfer portal so it's it's tough in that regard i I haven't seen, you know, I, when the news came yesterday, I wondered, I was like, Oh, is this kind of happening throughout the country where you have some of these guys who are more guys dropping off just because of kind of the upheaval nationwide uh, before they even get to their first season. And I haven't seen any sort of nationwide numbers on that, but I think that's probably pretty common. Um, but for Nebraska, attrition continues to, to be an issue. Um, it's, it's it's an issue beyond just what you'd expect in the uh, kind of coaching transition phase. Nebraska's out of that to a large degree and it's, it's still kind of losing guys. Um, it's, it's something that to watch going forward. Can they mitigate that a little bit as you get deeper into this, does that slow down? Uh, Cause so far it hasn't.
4: You know, and, it's good you bring that up, and that's kind of what I was saying in the first hour, too. Like, we can't ignore this at this point, right? Like, this is – and that's it's not being hypercritical if you're saying, hey, what's going on here? But in, in sort of defense of what's happening there, you also have these two external trends happening right now. So, yes, Nebraska has been attriting a, a – that's probably not the right word – but it's been experiencing attrition more than most programs, but – it's now the dawn of the transfer portal, so that's one kind of external factor. And then COVID on top of that. So it's isn't it a little tough to parse through whether or not this is a cultural or systemic issue at Nebraska or more of a sign of the times? Where do you, where do you
2: lean? Uh, yeah, with these, with these in the 2020 class, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they stand out because, like, having kind of tabulated four-year rolling attrition rates for – for a long time you know there's there's kind of a rhythm to it right like you don't lose a ton of your class those first two seasons it usually takes that long before guys start dropping out um here you've got two that both qualified in fact both enrolled early um and still left and we know that henry gray thing had something to do with being closer to family in florida and he found a place to play in florida haven't heard that about francois but you kind of assume something like that might have been in play uh so with this one you can for now i think you can chalk that up to hey maybe it was just a strange time nothing was normal for these guys you can't expect kind of the normal uh attrition rate or players leaving or choosing to stay um but as we get a little bit further down the road it's still two guys you lost from your class, and when Nebraska trends at about 40% of its scholarship recruiting class is leaving before they either go pro or finish their eligibility, uh, it just it, it hurts to be two steps closer to that already for a class that hasn't even played its first football game yet.
4: Brandon Vogel is with us on Hill Varsity Radio, and of course, we're talking about a position group that I think we've all been pretty high on ever since you know this new staff came to or came uh, to Nebraska from central florida is you know you could not ignore the dbs when you were watching that version of ucf and early returns pretty good right now for travis fisher as you look at assuming there's a season which well, there's not <laughs> that's why it's so weird to talk about this but wouldn't you think this is the year where you would start to see that secondary take a very prominent role on the defense overall. Do you, do you have that feeling in general about that particular position group on this defense?
2: I, I do. And you, and you look at Nebraska's defense as a whole. Um, you got some returning players, a linebacker, but still some things to sort out. Defensive line is, is largely a blank slate. So it sets up as a year that Nebraska needs to be kind of led back to front, I think, and it also sets up as a year for Nebraska where I think they have the players to do that. So in addition to the, the kind of four returning starters, you know, factoring Cam Taylor Britton there, wherever he ends up and how they decide to use him, you, you've got four. So you've got veterans like DiCaprio Boodle and Markel Desbuke, and that's good. And then you've got this second wave of guys, uh, largely uh, freshmen in last year's class, but also Braxton Clark. He, he saw some playing time. That kind of looks like the future, and I think it gives Nebraska the ability to really play, uh, assuming everybody gets healthy and is ready to go, six, seven guys back there, um, if if they want to. and if, If those younger players are ready, there's just a ton of versatility there. There's a ton of athleticism. There's a ton of length. It's part, you know, divide this out by position. I think it might be one of the positions, if not the position, that kind of looks like the closest to what they want it to be. Um, and that's that's pretty good work in you know basically three recruiting classes.
4: Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio as we get set to. Uh, we're here at Woodland Hills for Tyson's Treasure Chest uh, Charity Golf Tournament. Chris Schmidt is on assignment there. He tees off at eight thirty. So Mark Cranack with you uh, up through the end of the show today at nine o'clock. Hey, let's um. Okay, I I know you just said under fifty percent is kind of where you handicap there being any sort of football season this year. Even if there is, I think we know it's going to be fragmented, right? Because there's going to be some states, some schools, some situations that are just going to have to shut it down, even if there are, you know, some teams that are trying to play. Because of that, it makes the season interesting from this standpoint, right? It's like normally whenever you, whenever you go into a season, it's kind of like chapters unfolding. You know, and however you perform in week two kind of has an impact on on three and four and overall standings and pole position and all that. Whereas this year, if there is any kind of playing, it's really just about that game that day, right? Like it's it's (laughs) not deeper than that because you're not necessarily positioning yourself to play in some championship game. That's probably not going to happen. In that way, does that make this year kind of intriguing to you that it's really about that game, that day, and really nothing else
2: macro? Yeah, it it, it does appeal to me in a kind of, you know, historical sense. Like, it it feels a lot like college football before widespread televised television. Um, And that, you know, you just kind of played the teams around you and you, you hoped for a good year and a lot of times that meant like winning the conference first and foremost. You know, it, it, it's it's almost like an era, and I, I would be very surprised if there are bowl games, uh, of course, um, even if there is football, but where you had maybe four bowl games, and it was like, yeah, we had a great year. We went 8-1-1 uh, one, and one, and uh, won our conference and didn't go to a bowl game, but <laughs> it was like, it, you just, you, you won what you could, and you were as good as you could be. It, it kind of, it's a little bit like the Ivy League, uh, ironically, because they're not playing this year, but Ivy League's just off there and kind of does its own thing, and like, the top prize is to win the conference. They don't let their teams go to the FCS playoffs, so the champion is usually plenty good enough to do so. It'll, it'll be a little bit of a throwback, and, um, yeah, I wouldn't want it full-time, but if we're talking about, hey, let's have some sort of football, I could get behind it for a year for sure.
4: Is it, is it up to the conference commission? I'm trying to figure out who, who... – Is going to be able to pull the plug is is it governors is it mayors is it conference commissioners who who is going to decide whether or not this thing happens
2: yeah I I, it's hard to tell with college football which tells you a lot about about the sport itself Um, but I I think it's probably the conference commissioners if they've got kind of a tacit or explicit sign-off from the state governors uh, is, is kind of how I've pieced it together in my mind. Uh, you know, uh, two or three weeks ago, I, I could have seen teams, you know, that, that were in some states that were a little bit – that were hit perhaps less hard uh, going on their own and doing what they could. But I, I feel like that time's passed. I, I almost think it's got to be conference by conference. It's, it's the only way to have, like, kind of – a real season in my mind um so if the big tens all ago and maybe you could lose like one or two teams per conference but more than that i would be surprised with conferences it's just didn't shut it all down i mean you start looking like at eligibility clocks like say nebraska is one of 30 teams that plays this year um maybe you get five six games out of that because you got to have teams to play uh but you don't want to be going all over the country you know do you do so you burn a year of those kids' eligibility? You play basically a five-game, five- or six-game season that that's going nowhere. Meanwhile, Kentucky says, well, we're going to wait until the spring, and they'll get a full 12 games in, maybe. Um, it's it, it just becomes so messy. So I, I think, like, the conferences are the key. Uh, you may see some conferences say, yep, we're going. And that's, that's fine. You can keep things pretty internal and play a fairly robust schedule and do that. But – once you start losing teams out of those conferences, uh, I think it becomes pretty tough. See,
4: Brandon, teams are working out right now. They're, you know, they're together. There is some social distancing happening where they're working in smaller groups more often type thing. Um, but if the plug is pulled here, do you think it's pulled altogether or does it continue like it is now where you have these, have these teams in a kind of perpetual state of training?
2: Yeah, I, I I think they would be allowed to al- allowed to do something um, on campus. I don't know. I, I mean, with with the education part of it, with schools deciding to go primarily online or all online, you know, that that all varies case to case as well. I don't know if those would be voluntary or involuntary. You know, we saw with the, the Junior College National Junior College Athletic Association. Uh, they basically have given a 60 day window. So it's similar to spring football. Like you've got 60 days and you can work out a certain amount within those 60 days. I could see something like that. Um, the Ivy League, I don't think they've put out a specific plan yet, but they are allowing teams to work out and, and practice to a degree. In the fall, even though they're not playing, so yeah, I think there'd be football workouts, uh, and it would be it would be strange because it would feel a little bit like you said, like perpetual workouts. If you're one of those Nebraska guys who, who didn't leave or left but came back relatively quickly uh, back in the spring, and then you've gone through summer workouts uh, and now the official workouts and then just more workouts, uh, it, it's going to become a grind.
4: Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. fans notwithstanding. I mean, even if there are some some games, it's just hard to imagine there will be, you know, any significant amount of fans in any stadium. Um, And I think it's more understandable, Brandon, that college would be more at risk right now. But what what do you think about NFL?
2: Yeah, it it seems like with the smaller roster sizes, uh, a little bit more control... Um, uh, over where those you know those team practice facilities are, are usually pretty remote anyway, and pretty pretty much in a bubble um, for de facto purposes anyway. Like I think they control the player part of it. It becomes the fan thing. Um, and with the NFL, maybe it can withstand. Like especially if there's no college football. Like I know these rights deals are are already in place, but. All of a sudden, you've got, like, the property that everybody wants. Like, football is the, the sport that America cares the most about. And if you got the only football going, uh, you become pretty valuable. I think the NFL probably finds a way to do it.
4: Yep. Brandon Vogel, uh, managing editor for Hale Varsity, appreciate you joining us, sir. And, you know, hopefully we get a little bit of certainty here in the next couple weeks. And I don't know. By the way, when are you expecting that? Are, are we expecting... Like, when is there going to be a final word? (laughs) Do you know?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, it it seems like August 1st is, is the date you keep hearing from conference commissioners to make a, like play or don't play decision because at that point like the wheels are almost that's right before the wheels are fully in motion uh so i expect something here in the next couple of weeks i expect we'll see kind of small announcements you know these kind of fcs conferences coming out and saying yep we're we're going and we're punting until the spring for the big ones i think end of the month is about the timeline i'm operating on
4: yeah most likely all right brandon we'll talk about it then appreciate you man have a good weekend all right you too later All right, that's Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor for Hale Varsity. A bit overdue for a break here. Gary Sharp, Iron Horse, is going to join us next. Hale Varsity Radio Show presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
0: Glad to have you back. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent Excellent. strategy, sir.
4: Weekend edition of the Hale Varsity Radio show rolls on. Mark Cranack with you at Woodland Hills Golf Tournament. We are here for a fundraising event. It's the Tyson's Treasure Chest um, Annual Golf Tournament. Jeremiah Searles among the former Huskers that's lending his his name and his time and his talents to this thing to uh, help raise money for a really cool thing that they do at children's hospital um and this is in, in memory of of tyson who lost his battle to pediatric cancer um a few years ago and anybody that donates to this cause or participates in this golf tournament um it puts treasure chests on every floor at children's hospital in omaha and they're looking at expanding too and within that treasure chest are you know, comforting things for kids who are going through some some pretty significant battles. So if you can support Tyson's Treasure Chest dot org is where you can log on and uh, contribute, even if you're not out here golfing today. And let's welcome in Gary Sharp now. Gary, are you there?
0: Yes, Mark. How
4: are you? Okay, that's good. I'm glad you're here. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing good. I, I have an idea here, Gary. I think we should just sort of suspend reality, right, Uh-oh. for this whole, this, this whole segment okay. as if the season is going to happen. Do you want to do Seven that, or do you just want to day? talk about the uncertainty about, well, I don't know if, this, if they're going to play. I mean, what would you rather do? Do you, do you want to have no. that kind of segment, or do you want to have a segment of, hey, they're going to play, let's just pretend they're going to, and then talk about that stuff.
0: Well, let's get this out of the way to start with. They are going to play football this fall. We just don't know what it's going to look like or how many games, but they're going to play football this fall. So let's go with the premise that they're going to play football and they're going to get the plane off the ground seven weeks from today uh, in Lincoln or elsewhere in college football.
4: Okay. Okay, so we're just going to go with that. Um, right now for this next segment, there, there is no such thing as COVID. We're just going to talk about actual sports and the actual football team and how – things would would actually or will actually go down not would will actually go down as we suspend reality here with gary sharp okay so um defensive backs uh pretty crowded room right now you had another guy take off Jaden francois along with henry gray two guys that signed in uh got what december and we're here early both from florida both highly touted Both have already left. Is that a sign of the times, or is that something where we have to really monitor and be like, wow, this attrition thing is out of control?
0: No, I think it's a sign of the times. You're away from home. We don't know what's going on back home. Um, You know, you got a lot of uncertainty. Things are not like... It's uh, supposed to be there's things that are going on. You're, you're a young kid. you got all that stuff going through your head. Um, those are two significant losses. And Both those guys are going to have a future at Nebraska. I, I think we also need to keep in mind is, you know, and, and, and maybe these guys, they just don't, you know, they, they're young. They don't know what they want to do. Remember, Henry Gray committed to, what, four different schools. Um, Jaden Francois, we had the drama of signing day. Uh, it's unfortunate that they're not here. I don't think that, that spoils or soils Nebraska's reputation in South Florida. It's an individual uh, by individual basis. And, you know, and like you said, Nebraska's got a deep defensive back room, so they can overcome a couple of guys that are out of the class. And keep in mind, they may add somebody here in the next week to ten days, possibly, that is highly recruited out of high school that had a nice junior college career. So it's always it's always revolving, as we've seen, especially this week with that roster.
4: All right, let's talk about I think we know the front line guys. I think we know that DiCaprio Boodle, Cam Taylor Britt, uh, Markel Dismuke, and Deontay Williams are absolutely gonna see the field a lot if that's not your starting four. Who else do we see a lot of this year out of that group?
0: Okay, so those are the four that are you know, we, we definitely are gonna see. Braxton Clark is somebody who I think we'll see a lot of. Um, you know, when you look at how Nebraska has recruited that position and they've recruited um, of late. It's lanky guys. I call them rangy. And Braxton Clark is that. He's all of six four. He's got long arms. Um, we saw him at the end of the year last year. You know, he got a chance to start against Purdue. I thought his confidence really built up, and you know, he finished out the year pretty strong. He's somebody who I think you'll see a lot of this year. I think finally, because he's healthy, and that was great to hear Travis Fisher the other night um, on the Husker Sports Network mention that Noah Pula Gates is hundred mm-hmm. percent because we were expecting a lot out of him when he walked on campus. He battled injuries. Now he's battling back, and that's a guy, if he is a legit 190 at his size and his speed, I, I think he's someone that will get on the field as well. And then, I don't know about you, Mark and Elijah, but when Travis Fisher said Lynham had added 26 pounds, now he had yeah. weight to add, and he actually, if you go back, um, I think it was Scott Frost that mentioned in the first couple of weeks that he was on campus he'd already added 10 pounds. He's a guy to keep an eye on. So I, I don't have a, a fear of that group i think that's one of the most mature and it'll be one of those groups you don't spend a lot of time on when you're trying to break down the season and i also think it goes right back to the top travis fisher ryan held greg austin are three position coaches that get the benefit of the doubt in my book that you know regardless of the inexperience uh or lack of depth of their position groups they're going to get those guys coached up have a full room like all three of them do right now
4: Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio as we talk about uh, the Nebraska football season as if it is just going to happen no matter what. We are not even going to entertain an interruption uh, because of COVID for this particular segment. Um, a, lot of, a lot of different weight training videos are being released by the athletic department lately as they are often doing around this time of year, just showing the guys training and getting ready for the season, some hype videos. You can take those with a grain of salt. I mean, these are all 18 to 22-year-old kids that work out all the time, that get the best nutrition. So, of course, they look like they're super strong and awesome, and there's no way they could ever lose. But, in particular, Cam Jurgens, that dude's throwing some weight around. He looks like an absolute beast right now. What are you hearing about Cam and his development, the presumed starting center for Nebraska?
0: Well, he, he's got a lot on his plate. Remember, he's also healthy. Um, this, time, this time last year... He wasn't in the greatest of uh, shape. You know, he'd been battling an injury. Uh, I mean, he looks looks like what I think he should look like at that position. And, you know, he's got a little chip on his shoulder. People are still, even though the end was a lot better than the beginning, I think people are a little like, okay, let's see if he can repeat and that position can settle down. I also think inside his position room, there are some guys that last year thought, you know what, he shouldn't be the starting center. There were other guys that were better. Still got to go out and prove it. Um, but if he is anywhere near like his head coach put him on that pedestal last year and, and threw out some names that are big-time offensive linemen and centers at Nebraska, then that's a great start. I expect him to have the kind of year that we expect out of him, and that is a solid year. He'll be, he'll be a lot more comfortable. We won't have to talk about the snapping issue. He'll be a guy that gets to the second level and block and he'll be able to show off his athletic ability. Now, the one that the video that stood out the most, guys, is – the 35-year-old Marvin Scott who's got a family of 4 he's got a couple of houses, <laughs> and he's got a nice portfolio. How did he sneak onto Nebraska's campus?
4: Okay, if you're, if you're not familiar, if you're listening right now, Marvin Scott is a uh, running back out of Florida that signed in December. He's been here uh, for – actually, he, he he hasn't been here all spring, right? Like, he just got here
0: recently. Yeah, he, like uh, June, he arrived right? with uh, Morrison in June.
4: Yeah, okay, exactly. But he goes about, what, five – 9, 205 ish, and maybe 2% body fat, something like that. Do, do you think he sees the field immediately?
0: Well, first of all, he is, he's 5'9, 205. Uh, he is cock diesel. Uh, his powerlifting career, um, hello. I, I yeah. think he sees the field, but here's the thing. Here's the unknown, and I'm going to violate the rule that you put in place when we first started this interview. We don't know how many games are going to be played. We would hope to have a full 10. I think eight would make it a legit season, but do you just play him and Morrison four games? You know, the wild card is, we think Johnson Johnson's going to be the number two back. Who's going to be the number three? Because I don't think Wandale Robinson will carry the ball as much as he did last year. It could be Marvin Scott. You know Marvin Scott is built where you hand him the ball. People just kind of they, they bounce off of him while he runs. Um, I think it's important to get Scott and Morrison into game activity this year. But, boy, it would be nice to preserve the red shirt because then you have a stacked running back room when you add um, Irwin coming from Georgia and you lose Mills next year. I mean, that is a loaded backfield. But I'll be very curious to see, especially with Marvin Scott, is, is he just a running back or can they throw the football out of the backfield? I think that's what will separate the running backs behind Mills is who can catch it out of the backfield along with running it. But I'm excited to see him play. I mean, you watch his film, and he was playing at a pretty good high school in Florida uh, he was dominating guys. He was flat-out running over guys at five nine two oh five.
4: As long as health is good for, for Dedrick Mills, Look, I, th- I think that's been an unsettled position in general um, for a while. I, if, I mean, going back, honestly, since Abdullah left, I don't think you've had that for-sure bell cow that you knew you were going to give the ball to and you knew was the starter. Honestly, since Abdullah. newbie had a cup of coffee. Obviously, but I don't think he ever developed into that bell cow or or had a secure hold on that job. Because of that, what what do you think? What are you expecting from Mills, assuming a full season, assuming health? What do you think you get out of that guy this year?
0: I think you get a guy that has a chip on his shoulders thinking about the NFL draft that could easily, well, I'm not going to say easily because now we've taken two games off. But he's a guy, if we were playing a full season, I would say there's a thousand yard running back, which has kind of been rare at Nebraska. Of late, I mean, we got spoiled with of Zigbo, um, but the divine of Zigbo wasn't a guy that for three or four years was a bell cow. He finally got an opportunity; he took full advantage of it. I think Diedrich Mills, once he turned the corner last year, and I, I may have told this story to you guys. Uh, walking out of the stadium after the Indiana game, uh, happened to just he happened to be just walking right alongside me, and so I said, uh, you, you know, I just started some small talk. And he kind of let it flow how disappointed he was that in crunch time he wasn't getting the football, and he wanted the football more. And ironically, shortly thereafter, he really took his game to a whole other level, and he didn't come off the field very often. I think you have that same mindset, and I think he's in a comfort level with running in this offense, this type of offense, and he's got full confidence of his position coach and his head coach, I think Diedrich Mills is set up for a big, big season. You know, guys, if you think about it, this offense, which last year, with all of the ups and downs on offense, they still were the 30th rushing team in the country. Mm -hmm. If they can get consistent play at quarterback and the wide receivers can develop and they can get some consistency, there's no reason why Nebraska can't possibly be inside of that top 20 as a rushing offense in college football this year
4: if not even as an overall offense. And look, it's so easy to buy into the hype this time of year. And look, this is a program that's coming off of three straight losing seasons. So, you know, we've got to temper it a little bit. But when you look at the team as a whole, I mean, I'm concerned about, you just mentioned it, wide receivers, will they develop in time? I'm not concerned about the talent level. I think they have that. But will they develop in time? And then I'm concerned about defensive line, just because I think there's a lot of inexperience. But you do bring back some. Outside of that, outside linebacker, maybe, too. I mean, wh- I don't see these giant holes on the team right
0: now from a talent perspective unless I'm missing something. How about you? No, I think they're getting closer. Um, you're right. When you won nine games in the last two years and haven't gone to a bowl for three games, it's always this time of the year uh, that you start slurping some Kool-Aid and that optimism. Yeah. I think it's okay to be excited. There's still holes and there's still question marks and there's still a lot of youth on this roster. But I think that they are a better football program right now, right now through a pandemic than they were when they walked out the field against Iowa. I think they've improved in the coaching staff. I think they've also added talent. They've added more competition. And I think that will make certain guys that are starters better because there is more competition. Now, my my biggest holdup is, and I'm waiting, and that's you know, before I go, okay, this, this program is definitely going in the right direction, is what happens on Saturdays. Saturdays, execution by guys in helmets and guys wearing headsets that have Saturday execution. If they can overcome that and that can get better, then you start to feel real good moving through this season and then on into the future because I really think recruiting is going to start to take off. I think they've got some key, po- key guys in this recruiting class that they've been able to get that kind of fit the mold and then if you add a Thomas Fedoni and then maybe another big headliner, I think you feel real good as you're moving forward. But and the bottom line is when it gets to Saturdays, you've got to prove it on the field because we've done enough of talking about, hey, this is what it looks like on paper and this is how I feel. You've got to have some results. And that's why I keep going back to that Purdue game to start the year, whether it's still on the schedule as is or whatever, that's one of the most important games this program is going to play in a long time because it sets the tone for – This season, I think it sets the tone for where the program is because there's a lot of people that are saying, Man, is Purdue and Nebraska the same program right now? Well, that shouldn't be the case. Well, you got an opportunity to separate yourself on opening day. Gary
4: Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You know, as you look at this, you look at Scott Frost's influences. Of course, when he played, Nebraska was all about power, strength, of course, had some speed in there too, uh, specifically defensively. um, You know, by the time Frost was here, you know, it very fast defense. Look at his time at Oregon, they're all speed. UCF, kind of a carbon copy of, of uh, Oregon, where speed, speed, speed. I'm not seeing that emphasis, that same emphasis on speed and collect speed at all costs. They're not taking small guys. It seems like he is gradually shifting this program towards being just massive, being the biggest team in college football. I don't know. What do you think that he's, like, building profile-wise? Because you're not seeing a lot of – Ramir Johnson is like an outlier right now, right? There's not a bunch of short, small, kind of quick guys.
0: Everybody's huge. But How do you think he's shaping this program? Well, you still have Alante Brown and Wandale Robinson. There still is speed, but I think – it must have been a month ago, you rattled off, and it was after a good recruiting week for Nebraska, where you rattled off the size of players, and I think it was more on the height of players. I right. think what they've done, and this is, this is, this is good on the staff, because you know they jumped into the Big Ten with not, a, not any knowledge of how you navigate a nine-game conference schedule. And as they did that first year and went to Michigan and got physically just beat the hell up, they started to say, We've got to build our roster so physically we can withstand the pounding of nine conference games so that when we get to the end of November where we know the conference is going to backload Nebraska's schedule with division games, we've got to be fresh. I mean, Zach Duvall can only do so much. We've got to get guys that have the bodies that can take a beating for nine weeks in this conference. And I think that's where you've, you've seen that shift to that when you get to November, you're playing your best football. And while some teams are starting to wear down in November – you're starting to hit that second win, and I I think you see that with some of the larger bodies that are being recruited, just guys that can take a beating. I mean, if there's an advantage, if they just rip up the Big Ten schedule this year, you know, you might be an advantage for Nebraska where that five-game stretch at the end of the year, which was already going to be brutal from the standpoint of who you were playing and how physical uh, a, a, a slug it would be through those five games. I mean, they might mix those games up so you get a break there, but... I think that's what Nebraska's thinking is. When we get to November, we can't be wearing down. We've got to have guys that are Big Ten bodies that look like a Big Ten team and that can withstand, you know, probably three division games in the month of November every year, which would include Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota.
4: Well, do you, Gary, you're talking about a, a program that values development, and you're talking about one that would eventually get you kind of the reload sort of yeah. scenario where Nebraska is really not there yet. When do you think we? see the fruits of that Does, do you see the fruits of that of this approach that you're talking about get huge guys bring them in build them up even more do you start seeing that this year or next year when Nebraska kind of has that base that they're working from
0: well I think you start to see it as and this season kind of has you know with an unknown because you could have some stops and some starts but I think as you navigate through this season especially when you get to next year, and, and, you know, we all know this, next year's schedule isn't any, you know, isn't any uh, invitation to have an off year. Uh, It's a difficult schedule as well. I think that's when you start to see it because then you would be about three full, three real full cycles through a conditioning program as Zach Duvall where guys' bodies have changed drastically and they're set up to go year-round instead of, you know, um, uh, hit or miss here. So, I think if you, you'll see some progress this year, you have to see some progress this year, but I think you'll really see it kick in when you kick off for 2021.
4: When you mentioned uh, next year's schedule, 2021, Oklahoma's on that thing, right? Nebraska in yep, Mormon. That's What's the over-under yeah. on <laughs> Lincoln Riley versus Scott
0: Frost? Uh, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> Where are you going to put it at? Oh, I, 100% that it's Lincoln Riley versus Scott Frost, and I hope they both embrace the 50th there. anniversary of the game of the century.
4: I'm sorry, what, what I meant to say, I, I left out an important detail there. What, what I meant to say is, what do you think the over-under on that game is going to be?
0: Oh, 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 Jeez, um, I will say 70-72. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would take the overs there. You know, next year, next year is kind of, it's, I can see why, you know, I, don't, I would be really, really shocked if we had spring football. I mean, that would be the last resort if we went nuclear this fall and there was no football and you had to recoup something and play spring football, keep in mind, Nebraska's 2021 schedule starts earlier than anybody else in the country because they're going to Ireland. So
5: uh-huh.
0: if, you're, if you're thinking, okay, hey, Nebraska, just play spring football, remember, their offseason is already going to be shortened because they'll leave a little bit early for Ireland. They're playing week zero. Um, but, yeah, the 2021 schedule, I mean – We're all staring at that last five games of of what the schedule is going to be this year. That 2021 schedule, I mean, that's for fans. That's entertaining. That's a schedule that's set up. If you have success, you know, you you, you would be mentioned in the P word with the playoff people. um, But that's a fan's delight and a coach's nightmare for the next two years on that schedule. But if you're going to be a program that talks loud, you accept that schedule. You go week by week. And you learn from it, and you, yeah, yeah, you build your program, and hopefully you have success.
4: You know, you just mentioned it, though, Gary. It's the triumphant
0: return of the sport
4: likely happens in Ireland next year. Uh,
0: you know what? That's I know you said true. that. You know what? I don't want to say this was in April. You said, hey, did you know this could be the scenario where the next college football game actually is Nebraska, and they're going to play Illinois? I'm telling you, they're going to play football this fall. Okay. They will find a way – to play football, it be seven weeks from today. It might be nine weeks from today. But I truly believe that they will find a way to play football because as we look outside of, as we look around the country, we know that there are numerous states and numerous areas that are having cases that are skyrocketing. We know that this past week wasn't a great week for college football and the caretakers and what they were saying. But you know what who is really leading the charge is – Our college athletic programs that have their student-athletes back on campus where cases are not skyrocketing. And if they did, these schools had a plan, and their test results are a lot better than they were three, four weeks ago. And remember, we're now past a little bit of Fourth of July when things should really be going up. I think there's some positivity on our campuses. I think they're showing the way what it's like to be a teammate. Hopefully other people follow suit. But I I still believe that we will have football. Just don't know when. Will it be nine weeks from today? Will it be, you know, going into October? But the the caretakers will find a way to play. It's just going to be a little bit odd where you have the Big Ten, Pac-12 playing conference-only schedules. And I think the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, they form an alliance to schedule and possibly play 10 or 12 games that are not all conference games. All right, Gary, we're
4: recording this. So if this turns out to be wrong, we're going to play this back and shame you in a couple weeks. But,
0: and, I, and I, will, I, will, I will buy you, I will take you to your favorite Irish pub if that is the next game that we see in college football between Nebraska and Illinois.
4: See you in Dublin, brother. All right, Gary, appreciate your time this weekend, man. Hey, thanks, guys. All right, talk to Gary uh, next week. Hey, Elijah, sorry, man. I, I'm just realizing that uh, I, are, are we hitting break now or are we wrapping this thing yeah, up? Yeah, this is
6: the end of the show here.
4: It's the end of the show. And I'm just realizing I'm just getting your text. You've been saying, "Hey, man, I got a question here," and I didn't even see those. You well, didn't I was just you—you
6: you were killing it on the interview. It was just like if you're running out of questions, like I'm, I'm here, but you—I think you had it handled.
4: Well, I mean, I wanted to bring you in. Like, I had I known, had I had the phone like in the notifications thing, right? Like, I would have loved to have co-hosted the show with you, but I just ignored you entirely, and I'm sorry.
6: No, I, I had the show yesterday. Today was your moment to shine. That was all you. You <laughs> did a great it? job.
4: <laughs> yeah, and now we're now I'm probably ruining the clock. Are we? Did I already ruin the clock? Oh, uh, we probably need about
6: here in like ten seconds.
4: Okay, let's, let's wrap it up then. Uh, Hill Varsity Radio Show presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Go to Tyson's dot org to support Tyson's Treasure Chest where we're out here at Woodland Hills for the annual uh, golf tournament. Raising money for a great cause. For Brandon Vogel, for Chris Schmidt, for Elijah Herbal, and for um, uh, Gary Sharp, Mark Cranack saying so long, and we'll talk to you next Saturday.